starting to run. Now he fires downfield. Caught! Aguilar! Three of the ten! Touchdown Eagles! Rolling right is Bortles. Fires it to Bohannon into the end zone. Touchdown! Palmer's going to work out of the gun. Sets and throws. Hit as he does. It's picked off by the Lions. Kill him from the other side. 20. Kill him from 15. Wave to him. He's gone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Ryan's going to have some time. Now going to sail it wide open. Hooper, 50-yard line. Austin Hooper, bare 40. Stiff arm at the 30. Keeps his feet. Hooper, 10, 5. Touchdown, Atlanta. Four-man rush. Dalton throws toward the sideline. It's intercepted. And Andy Dalton has equaled his career high. He's been picked off four times on opening day. Car going to throw for the end zone. Touchdown! This one left side, it's plucked out of the air, intercepted far sideline, LaMarcus Joyner, touchdown LA! Rodgers takes the snap, the flag does come in, so Rodgers has a free shot, and he throws it over the middle, and completes it in the end zone to Jordy Nelson! The game is over, Cowboys with the victory tonight, 19-3, they start 1-0, they break a three-game losing streak at the hands of the New York Giants, who start the season 0-1. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. Oh my God, great week one, guys. A week one where, just to give my first initial thoughts, there's been a lot of people being negative about quarterback play. It was a week where a lot of teams ended up with sub 300 yards, a very defensive week of football. But I think that's being incredibly disrespectful to a whole bunch of number one overall picks in Matt Stafford, Mm. Alex Smith, in Sam Bradford last night on Monday Night Football uh, and in Jared Goff, all four of whom were probably the four best quarterbacks in football this week and all of whom at some point have been called a bust for being picked number one overall. So do you know what? I thought there was some great quarterback play this week. Uh, That's a great shout. Great shout, mate. Matt Sherry and Ollie Hunter on with us to react to all the week one action and coming up on this show, if you've not been playing Madden yet, if you've not played Longshot yet, you might not be aware of the story of Devin Wade and Colts the Colt Missile Cruise. Uh, we have J.R. Lemon and the one and only Jason Street, sorry, Scott Porter, join me in the studio on Monday for a good 20 minutes of chat about football, about Madden. We talked Friday Night Lights. Oh, man. Talked, oh. oh, my God. It's coming back, Will. Is we- it coming back? Well, this is... I, I do Don't, don't of, ruin the, the tease, man. Will I, we find I, out I, in it? If it's no, coming back, we, I actually have a bit of breaking and slightly <gasps> devastating Friday Night Live oh, don't news do this to me, man. that was discussed off air. Just as the new season gets underway and you're thinking to yourself, wow, there's so much football to fill my life. Because CBS are launching their or NBC or whoever it is are launching their own on demand service in the US next month. Friday Night Lights will not be on Netflix anymore from October 1st. Clear eyes. So on if you. If you want to re-watch Friday Night Lights, you need to do it in the next three and a half weeks. I mean, of course, there are many other ways that you can re-watch it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a really great chat, so we'll have that coming up for you as well. Um, and J.R. Lemon, uh, Ollie, just so you know, former Stanford Cardinals running back. Um, he first got involved in doing Madden because he did like uh, get in-game capture for them. So, you know, where they get yeah. the players and they get them doing movement. And then he's gone on to be a TV actor, and that's how he ended up getting this job. Um, but yeah, talked all about Christian McCaffrey with him. Uh, we got into the 
white running backs debate. I mean, J.R. Lemon, who is a black running back, talking about how he thinks Christian McCaffrey is disrespected as a white running back. Uh, It's a really, really good conversation. I really enjoyed it. So that's all coming for you as well. Clearly a very intelligent dude as well. Do you know what? I can't wait to download at Gridiron. Love it. Yeah, there you go. Although, of course, the people who would have... I don't know. Anyway, carry on. Um, guys, I think, like, what we'll do, because we're doing this on Tuesday rather than doing our usual Monday night stuff, uh, let's talk about the two Monday night football games, and then we'll get back into the Sunday night football after we've had our Madden chat. Everyone okay. happy with that? Happy with yeah. that. Yeah. And there's so much to get into. I mean, is there anything anyone wants to share from their personal lives at the top of the show before we get into the football? No, let's get I've into the football. I've got a really bad cold, but other than that... There's really nothing happening. I don't think anyone would tell the difference, Sherry. My wife's just returned to work from maternity leave. People don't give a shit, and rightly so. Matt Sherry, this is Michael Jordan, Game 6. You've got the flu, but you're going to push through and have an MVP-type performance, right? That's what I'm hoping. It it would be my first in about 300 shows, so that would be nice. (laughs) He he saves it for the NFL show. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, obligatory plug listen to us on TalkSport and TalkSport 2 every Sunday night um, but also two weeks time first game at Wembley uh, no second game at Wembley it's three weeks time what am I on about the first game at Wembley is in two weeks time that's Jags Ravens that's going to be great in three weeks time it's the second game at Wembley Dolphins Saints it is still happening at Wembley despite the Miami Dolphins asking to have the game moved back to Miami don't worry about that it's still coming to London and after that game <laughs> and after that game at Bloomsbury Lanes, our home away from home, we are throwing another international series celebration game to celebrate the new series, to celebrate the games coming over to London. Red zone on every single screen with the audio and everything happening. Uh, there are uh, there are if you want to come and watch an individual game, there are three vip rooms available as well so you can come and you can do that and set up your own game pass on the screens in those rooms but entry to the party free shot of jameson on entry free copy of the latest edition of gridiron magazine it's just 10 pounds to come down uh, it's going to be an absolutely brilliant night there's only about 300 350 tickets and they're already selling really well so get to gridiron-magazine.com or check out our twitter account Get your tickets. Come down to our London game after party because it's going to be awesome. Couldn't have said it better. And what we won't do this year is turn off red zone when there's key things happening. Never again, guys. Yeah, we had a deal in place with the UK Packers that we had to show their game. uh, But that's not happening again. Just, Just to be incredibly clear on that. Never again. And I'm a Packers fan. (laughs) That should never happen again. I'd like to apologise. (laughs) <laughs> not on behalf of the of the UK Packers I have no affiliation with them they are great guys but I'd just like to apologise on behalf of Gridiron thanks that's Bert. fine yeah. well everyone now knows that it won't happen again red zone all night and individual games if you want them in the VIP uh, suites find out more information at gridiron-magazine.com let's get into the games let's get into Monday Night Football let's work backwards chronologically as icing the kicker finally worked <laughs> in a game of football Broncos block Coos late field goal to top the Chargers 24-21 Vance Joseph getting the victory in the battle of the two new head coaches in the battle of the AFC West in what up until the fourth quarter was a game where the Los Angeles Chargers were struggling to get things going two late turnovers turning those turnovers into touchdowns great pass rush all over the field this was the best second game of a monday night doubleheader i can remember 
it was awesome really really awesome and I was so excited when that guy made the kick and then heartbroken later on um, I, it was just and I, I think I've, it often works out that especially if if you've had not as many close games that towards the end of the week the NFL always rounds round to hit an amazing game at the end and that's what we got here what what's really interesting is uh, I, I don't know if you saw there's an interview with Derek Wolf after the game um, where the, the guy who eventually got his hand on the block was Shelby Harris, a third year lineman, a, a, a guy who's a rotation guy, basically. On the first version of the kick, Derek Wolf had managed to get a bull rush and almost got a block in himself. He went and told Shelby Harris, if you make that move, you'll be able to get a block in. They'll be watching for me now after the first kick. You go and do it. Shelby Harris did it, got the block in. I love little details like that that come from on the field. And it was a great way to end the game, even if, like, at 6.15 in the morning, I was kind of looking forward to overtime. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Um, in terms of the performance on the field, Menelik Watson, uh, you know, Let's we always want to back it. him because he's a Brit, but he had a really, really rough night up against that uh, up against that pass rush for the for the Chargers. And and what I'd say is, you know, a three point loss, getting those two turnovers, the the four sacks, two of which from Elvin Ingram, there was a lot of positivity for the Chargers. Their backfield played well. I thought that. Melvin Gordon, like the difference between his rookie season and where he's at now, he mm. picked up some amazing blitz pass blocks late in the game. He was coming out of the backfield like he is the prime example of a running back who came out of college without really knowing how to work an NFL system and has just developed in a brilliant way. And I now think as the possibility to be a top five running back. I, I think it could be the best running back in the NFL this year. Especially wow. If they're going to use him in that system. Because... Yep. He's going to get loads of carries. They're clearly keen to use him in the passing game as well. There was a great play in the second half, I think it was, where actually Rivers should have thrown the ball to him earlier. He'd gone on the wheel route. and He was wide open, but then Rivers got flushed out to the right. And Gordon, like an experienced wide receiver, ran back and took a great catch on the sideline. So I think there's huge potential there. I always think in the NFL, three points is basically home field advantage. So... If you lose by three points in Denver on opening night of Monday Night Football, that is literally as tough. I love that, Ollie. As tough a as tough a road game as as you can have because that stadium is crazy. I've experienced it at an AFC Championship game, and it sounded the same last night. So, thought there were lots of positives for the Chargers, particularly with the way the. They kind of stuck in there and, and battled throughout the game. I totally he, agree with you, Sherry. I remember that play, him coming back, and he also managed to get his feet back in in bounds yeah. as well, which which is really impressive, something that you would see a, a little slot wide receiver or even a big wide receiver do. I quite liked what Rivers was doing. There were a couple of times, like you said just then, and another one where he threw short, I think on the final drive or, or, or very late on in the game, where he was rushed. And I think that could be either to do with time catching up on him a little bit bit of a opening night stuff as well opening night. but the, the the throw to benjamin uh was perfect he made some other really good throws nice decisions especially with keenan allen back and it's great to see him back on the scoreboard and as he well. was good wasn't he yeah. keenan allen was really good against that secondary to to make some of the plays he did was a massively positive sign as well and with also the, with the, the penalty Tyra against Williams him on the, the penalty against keenan allen on that on that 
touchdown was absolute nonsense, by the way. Yeah. Absolute nonsense. Yeah. Um, from a Denver perspective, not only did we see that their their defense uh, without Shane Ray, they, they still managed to, to, to pick up and have a pretty decent game. Um, who was playing off the... Uh, Shaq Barrett playing Sha- off the Shaq other Barrett's side. good, isn't he? He, he had a awesome. really good game, Shaq Barrett, last night. And obviously, you've got Von Miller on the other side. The secondary, what I was surprised about, and I talked about this on the previous show, is I didn't know how Vance Joseph would work with that team, considering he's someone who's always worked with his own scheme and, and the, the Broncos are so man-heavy in terms of their corners. But they just went out and did what they've done for the last few years and did it really well early on. And yes, they the, the, the Chargers got back into the game, but the Broncos' offense, right? We were all worried that they weren't going to be explosive enough. I thought Simeon had a really good game before yeah. the turnovers late. CJ Anderson, 80 yards on the ground off 20 carries. Jamal Charles, if you take away the fumble, looked really explosive in big moments. And again, the receiving core all had some really decent games as well. So, you know, I, I actually think the Broncos are, are a team who, okay, it's only week one. But that of all the units this week that have surprised me, and we'll talk about the uh, the, the Cowboys defense at some point as well. Mm. That's one that really caught my eyes. Me saying, okay, better than I was expecting week one. Yeah, um, I mean Mike McCoy is is a really good offensive coordinator, so not a huge surprise with that. But well, there was a slight surprise, admittedly. But he he has been very good throughout his career. But I just thought it was the opposite of last season in that they got the running game going, and then suddenly you're not immediately off schedule on second and third down and and ultimately with Trevor Simeon I'm starting to ask now in my own mind is if he was a a first round pick and he'd had the career he's had so far came to mind it's still only I think his third year in the NFL I I genuinely think you'd be excited about him and think that Mm -hmm. that is a guy you could potentially build around and maybe that is because Paxton Lynch has been in the wings and people were expecting Mm -hmm. him to come in at some point I feel like that storyline has just never materialised, but he was fairly solid in bad circumstances last year because the line was terrible and, as I've mentioned, the running game was really bad. But ultimately, he's done some good things for a guy who's only started, what, now is it 15 games at this point of his career? So yeah. there is something there with Simeon that you could potentially build upon, I think. I don't get it at all. I get it a bit now. I get it. From what I, I saw yesterday, I, I kind of get it. <laughs> after after the third quarter last night as well, I um, I, I, I just I kind of was half joking at the top, but it was actually those four quarterbacks who were number one overall picks all did have great performances this weekend. After the third quarter, the other guy you'd lump in with that was Trevor Simeon. Yes, he had a, a bit of a tough f- uh, finale to the game, but you know, you're talking about four number one overall picks and a guy taking him the last round. So, and, you know, and, and, yeah. and against, as we've said, what we think is is maybe the best head Russian tandem in the NFL. So they, they're going to give a lot, a lot of other guys problems as well, especially when you, your two tackles aren't, aren't anything special, which is the case in Denver. Uh, let's get us to the earlier game last night. The Minnesota Vikings rang out 29-19 winners over the New Orleans Saints. Sam Bradford set the NFL record for completion percentage last season. This year, with an O-line in front of him, mm-hmm. offering him some protection from the rush, he threw for 346 yards, three touchdowns, an 80% completion percentage. And everything that I said about Sam Bradford last season when I got some hard pelters from Vikings fans saying that Pat Shermer was limiting him after the offensive line went down and there was all those injuries, but the flashes he showed early, I think Sam Bradford is the quarterback for the future in Minnesota. 
Potter. I think they should get his longer term contract locked down ASAP because I was really concerned that the weapons, the Thielens, the Diggs, the Rudolphs of this world who had all flashed but not been consistent weren't going to necessarily be able to do it this season. They all looked brilliant last night. Dalvin Cook was great on the ground. And what was really good about Dalvin Cook on the ground as well is that the first half, I think he had 22 yards off eight carries at half time. But they kept working him. They kept mm-hmm. pounding him. The Saints defense, whose defensive line looked decent last night, but once they were forced to drop back more because of how accurate Bradford was being, Cook started to find some openings. He started to find some lanes. Just... I, I really was impressed with that side of the ball for the Vikings. I think, yeah, yeah, should have been impressed with everything that the Vikings did last night. That was like the absolute can't draw it up better game game plan in terms of they got the Saints behind and then as soon as they got them behind, then pass rushers come into the game on defence. And you mentioned Bradford's the quarterback of the future for Minnesota. He might be the quarterback of the future in the NFL based on some of the throws last night. It was yeah. pure, unadulterated filth. Some of the throws <laughs> were insane. Like, I, I honestly think when he's when he's on, and he, he's really hot and cold at times, Bradford, but when he's on, other than Rodgers, there is nobody with his accuracy in, in the NFL. Mm. He is laser-like. It's absolute insanity. And some of them last night, pass rushes in his face, and he, he's hitting guys 20-yard sideline routes in, in stride. I mean, he was absolutely incredible last night. And what there I thought a- as well... Uh, the, the guys he was throwing to uh, in Stefan Diggs and and uh, Adam Thielen, I, and I know you said at, uh, at the top of this, Will, about um, your Madden guy getting uh, talking about Christian McCaffrey and being, him being stereotyped as a white, white um, uh, running back, all of that. Well, I'm, I'm kind of a, a bit going to do that with these two wide receivers in that I found Stefan Diggs, some of the catches he made, some of the plays he made, and his stature, rather Antonio Brown-esque. And Thielen, the way that he finds space, he has a knack of just being open. Um, and, and with those great hands, he was a bit Jordy Nelson-esque for me. So you've got those two guys, and they're really coming to the fore this year. I loved what they were doing. Factor in um, Kyle Rudolph... Uh, with Stefan Diggs and then the change of pace with Jarrett McKinnon at the end I know they were kind of running out the, the clock but I loved every single part of that Vikings offense and we haven't we barely talked about that defense which the defense which is absolutely loaded Matt Sherry you said that they will win the NFC North I'm not going to go that far yet but man it's going to be close just, wow. just before we get just before we get to the defense a couple of throws to highlight there was one to Adam Thielen out to the right sideline uh, where he was I mean he got open but essentially was in triple coverage initially Bradford held on to the ball evaded the rush and got it out to him with as Sherry called it a laser throw on the sideline anyone else and anywhere else in Thielen wouldn't have had a chance to catch it further wide and it would have gone out of bounds and both of the touchdowns to dig I mean the first one the first one was the um, if I'm getting them in the right order the first one was the um, it was the was play action to the back, wasn't it? was yeah that was the play action yeah. pass which was just a beautifully drawn play design well called um, and, and a lovely pass out there but then the second one showed that he trusts dig in those situations digs. digs in that situation to throw it up to him and know that he's going to come down with it when he's being absolutely smothered. And, I, yeah, i just really impressed with that. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I said it. I, I said that I thought a top three unit in the NFL in terms of talent. And they are right up there when it comes to the pass rush, when it comes to the defensive backs. They're at every level, they're a really good team. And uh, 
yeah, I, I, you know, maybe sleeping a little bit on Minnesota and rethinking my uh, rethinking my playoff picks for this year. Should I, we I be worried? I, Sorry, go ahead. I feel, I feel like we still have no idea about the Saints' running game oh, either because it, it could be really, really good. But ultimately, how do you judge them against that, against that defense? Is anybody going to be able to do that? Defense was insanely good at the start of last year, and if now that they've got an offense, that means that they're not on the field every second of the the game. I genuinely think the Vikings look a, a terrifying prospect yeah. for, for any team in the yeah. NFL. And I think they're at Pittsburgh this week, which that could be a real statement win if they can go in there and get the W. I think people are going to start to, to sit up and take notice if that happens. That is one hell of a game as well. Pittsburgh, oh, wow. that It would be great to see how Lev Bell, who was quiet against Cleveland, see how he comes up against that defensive line, that defensive front. Uh, Antonio Brown again. Ah, oh, mouth-watering. Of course, we'll talk about that later on in in the week. But just just mentioning that is just. Uh, uh, God, I love I love that football's back, guys. On on the Saints, a couple of positives. I said it. I thought their defensive line was 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 uh, their defensive line was better early on um, and did stop the run well. And I think there are some decent pieces in that front seven. I, the secondary's got so many injuries. You said about not being able to know about the running game, and I know that actually on the ground they. You know, between Pete and Kamara and Ingram, they almost exactly split the carries. But the one thing you did see was Mark Ingram catching five, five receptions, 54 yards. He had the one big completion on the wheel route out to the left-hand side. And, and that's why I think Mark Ingram was the pick in fancy. And that's why I still think he's their, their main guy, because you don't necessarily get that from Peterson. Yes, you get it from Alvin Kamara. He's a good uh, pass catching mm. back and had a couple of plays last night, that one long 15-yard catch. But that's why I think Ingram will see more play because he offers other options. So I still think Ingram will be the cream that rises to the top. But Peterson, against worse defences, could be a really good kind of augmentation to that um, also I think you're also so yeah. Peterson get annoyed which is it, absolutely inevitable <laughs> the whole season that is him, him basically causing problems in that locker room is inevitable because he's, ne- he's never going to get the level of carries and at this point Ingram might actually be the better inside runner as well so it, I, I think that they're going to have a job on their hands successfully juggling all those guys this year and keeping them all happy and we also uh, saw absolutely. that um, Drew Brees really missed Brandon Cooks or someone of that ilk because didn't really trust anyone else. No one else really got open. I know, um, uh, what was his name, Lewis, uh, Tommy, Tommy Lee Lewis, managed to get open for that long one down the sideline, the right-hand sideline. Side but other than that, uh, you know, passing-wise, Michael Thomas didn't do anything really as well. So I could see it being a bit of a long year for uh, Drew Brees. All right, what we'll do, guys, now, let's get into our Madden interview and then off the back we'll do a bit of a, a quicker round the grounds on the on the Sunday games because, obviously, you've already heard a lot of other people talking about those. But we'll give a few of our thoughts on those games. Massive win for the Jags in particular. A really interesting NFC West potentially to discuss. The NFC East, what's going on with the Giants. All of that still to get to. But first of all, with the release of the new Madden game and long shot mode being the latest addition, I caught up with J.R. Lemon, a.k.a. Devin Wade, and with Scott Porter, a.k.a. Colt the Cruise Missile Cruise, a.k.a. Jason Street, 
of course, uh, in the TalkSport studio uh, yesterday. And, uh, yeah, we started off talking some Madden, but we get into football as well. And, like I say, had some real fun with these guys. Sunday night saw the first ever night of National Football League on TalkSport and TalkSport 2, the most comprehensive, the most ambitious NFL coverage ever in the UK. Sunday night football every Sunday night from 1am on TalkSport. Plus every Jags game, Red Zone on the radio, all coming to you every Sunday this season. The playoffs, the Super Bowl, we've got it all for you. Now, if a little bit like me, you've spent a good chunk of last week in the company of two virtual men, it's very weird to suddenly be sat in the same room as them. Devin Wade and Colt Cruz Missile Cruz are sat in front of me, also known as J.R. Lemon and Scott Porter, the stars of the new long shot mode in Madden 18. Uh, gents, thanks for coming in and joining us in the studio. No, thank you for thank having you for us, having man. Us, yeah. so, I, I mean, how do you get to the point? I mean, uh, Scott, a lot of people in the UK will know you from Friday Night Lights, and that's an obvious American football link. And J.R., you played uh, at college and a little bit in the NFL as well. But how do you go about getting involved in, in something like long shot and something like Madden? Yeah, so uh, so I got done playing football uh, when I was re- released from the Raiders. I came to L.A. to, to train, essentially. I uh, fell into doing uh, commercials. Some guys I was training with were doing motion capture. They were doing the actual moves and tackles and like locomotion running uh, to give data to the Madden people. So we our, our moves are actually in the game. So before I was doing long shot, I actually was up in Vancouver sort of just doing regular motion capture. The uh, creative director for long shot, Mike Young, uh, came up one, during one of our trips and had this idea for a story mode in long shot. So he knew I was acting at the time. I was working on a television show called The Night Shift. And um, yeah, he gave he gave us a try. We did like three prototype scenes and that was sort of the beginning of long shot. The thing is, I'd like, I don't want to give away any spoilers for the actual mode itself if anyone's watched it. But at the end, you do get a little video, a little kind of making of. And, and what I didn't realize, Scott, I know you've done some, some voice work in video games before as well. But you're actually in full motion capture suits like you see them do for kind of Planet of the Apes and stuff like that. Now, you've got Dan Marino in the room with you while you're doing it. I mean, that stuff's it just seems so surreal putting that all together. It freaks my wife out. Because she's heard my voice in video games, but she's like, that is your, not only your face, but that you move like that in the house. Like, this is weird. I don't like it. I don't like that everyone else is seeing everything. You know, it's, it's, uh, you look like a reject out of Cats, the musical, because they put all this face makeup on you. If you see the behind the scenes thing at the end, you just, every time you look in the mirror, you're like, oh, God, what is that? But, uh, yeah, everybody's on the same page. Though. Everybody's in the same boat. So even Dan Marino looks like a reject out of Cats. So it kind of takes, like, the, the sting of meeting a Hall of Famer, uh, you know, takes the shine off a little bit. You know, yeah. at first you're a little starstruck <laughs> and you're like, oh, Dan Marino's going to be here. And then you look at him and you're like, and he looks just <laughs> as silly as I do. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, you're in a you're in a wetsuit with a bunch of dingle balls all over it with paint on your face. And then they say, look, the two of you guys are in the cab of a truck and you're fighting and you've taken him to the graveside of his father. <laughs> like, it's the worst moment of life. Trying to be as serious as possible <laughs> right. looking at this other man who looks just completely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that is the thing, because, like, I mean, Andy Serkis is a big actor in this country, and obviously he's been one of the pioneers of, of all this technology, but he acts so much in that way. What's it like when you, you guys both have done TV before, films? Uh, what's it like suddenly having to act in, a, in essentially a warehouse and, like you say, covered in a, a wetsuit and dangly balls oh it's a, ch- it's a challenge i mean everything is, is, is through your imagination there is no you know we're on set we get the benefit of like scrubs or a stethoscope or a nurse's station um a suit um you know there it's all through your imagination you have to build everything and not only that 
there are no camera setups. So whereas on TV or film we may do eight pages a day, we'll do like 33 pages a day in this where we just jump from scene to scene because every angle is being caught at the same time. So I think it's just a, re it's like black box theater, right? It's all imagination, which is a, a cool challenge. Yeah, I've been saying for years that Andy, Andy Circus, I mean, he would win it every year, but they, they really do need to create a category for motion capture actors for the Academy, for the Oscars, or even for the BAFTAs, he possibly, he, you know? You look at, like, the performances of Gollum in one of those mm -hmm. Lord of Rings, so he could have won it for something like that. Yeah, it? but even that, like, when you're working on a film, even with green screen behind you, it's still set pieces. Mm. You still have sets, there's still props. Uh, he's just in a special suit, but they still work with, like, live actors and stuff. I just had a great time. It is challenging, though, because you just feel like a kid again. Like, once you once you get into the groove of it, you're just in a blank white room when you when you shoot the video game stuff. But when you get into the groove of it, you just start to feel like a kid again. You're really just counting on your imagination, and we lose that a little bit as adults. So it was it was really really difficult, but so much fun all at the same time. Well, on that same point, I mean, uh, NFL here in the UK became kind of had a real peak in the '80s, and then it's had a resurgence in the last ten years or so as they've brought games over here. But Dan Marino is still someone who. Lots of Dolphins fans in this country. Lots of people still like follow the sport from that era. And when he came over for a Dolphins game a couple of years ago, he's still the sort of person who, if he walks down the street in London, he gets recognised. People do be become like kids because it's one of their idols. What's it like working with someone uh, like Dan Marino? <laughs> well, it was interesting. He has a special story about it. But, I mean, from my perspective, you know, a superstar comes in like that and comes into, like, an unfamiliar environment. They're going to have a bit of a, a shell-up. Um, what was really cool was to see like how warm of an environment that we created and see see all that stuff sort of come down and him sort of be curious about it and want to learn and really do a good job with it because that's what you want you want the real Dan Marino not you know maybe what he has in his head and I think we were able to get that making him comfortable I was just happy he was on my turf for once <laughs> see I, because right, of Friday okay. Night Lights <laughs> I've been able to play in a lot of uh, pro am uh, pro amateur uh, flag football games. I've caught touchdown passes from Warren Moon, Troy wow. Aikman. Dan Marino was my quarterback once. I did catch a touchdown from him. But uh, Marcus Allen was on the team as well. And I had I had scored a touchdown against Marcus Allen in a prior flag football every, game. Because everyone can say that they've done that before. I've got obviously. it on tape. I put a spin move on him. It was actually pretty nasty. But <laughs> So I, I saw Marcus Allen on the bus on the way to the game. And we were, it was for Madden. It was for Madden 25th anniversary. We were playing flag football on a USS aircraft carrier that's parked in san diego wow. it was just an amazing day both teams stacked with hall of famers and i see mr mr allen I'm like mr allen we met before you know uh we played this flag football game down in miami and as i'm getting to the spin move story marino walks on the bus and he's just king in the court when mm. when he's in his realm his football and he goes hey kid sit down let me tell everybody a story of how two people they actually care about met <laughs> And it was like this amazing moment of like, wow, like Marino just like, so I, I was a little rough. And then like you run up to him in the huddle and you're like, hey, I've got good hands, man. I got speed. I'm running this crossing route. Yeah, yeah, sure, kid. Yeah, sure. Everybody thinks they can play football. That's fine. But then he shows up to work with us and I'm like, oh, now you're on my turf. Beautiful. All right, let's go. No, he was, he's, he's an awesome dude. And he, I mean, we've got a Hall of Famer in Dan Marino. We've got an Oscar award winner in Mahershala Ali in our game. That's just a testament to how well it delivers on both the story side and the football side of things. And I think that's what's amazing about it and the reason I, I really enjoyed it. They did a similar thing with FIFA last year, which tested it out. I know a lot of people here will have played that mode as well. But it, it's kind of, 
those filmic video games, I mean, I know you're a big gamer, Scott, I don't know about you, JR, but those kind of film-style video games, The Last of Us, all that sort of things, are becoming so popular now that to build something like that into a sports sim like Madden, it's quite a bold step, but also I think like it'll draw a lot of new people in. Yeah, I think that was the point of it. The point of it was to try to reach people who weren't just the diehard Madden fans. I think one of the biggest compliments that you know I've gotten, I'm sure you've gotten it too, is is when people like, for instance, significant others, husbands who play Madden all the time and you know can't really include their wives or girlfriends, um, you know, the girlfriend's coming up to us and saying, you know what, I've never picked up the game before, but I saw Longshot, I played it and I loved it, right? And I learned about football because. Well, that- that's the thing like it's the thing of like recognizing coverages recognizing formations yeah, like yeah. all that sort of thing which you won't a lot of like football fans even if they play madden won't necessarily know how to do that and it kind of teaches a, you that little a, a extra real play step. right yeah. how, to, how to call a play um i think it's i think it serves as a tutorial in in some in some way um but i also think like it shows that football players just aren't robots i feel like it it makes the football experience and football players relatable Right. It's just a guy. It's, it's about it's a football story. That's not about football. It's a uh, it's a guy who's trying to who thinks he's not good enough. It's a guy who thinks he doesn't have enough. We've all experienced that in some way, shape or form. So it makes athletes relatable. I think it's and that's not independent or that's not just particular to football. Right. Maybe basketball players. too. I think football even more so because these guys have helmets on. We don't see them like we see basketball players. We don't know them like we know soccer players who we recognize. They're more these... Uh, football, proper football players. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you can say soccer here. That's fine. <laughs> no, no, I proper football. Right, right, right. But, sorry. Uh, you're absolutely spot on. Terrell Davis was over doing NFL Network for a, a London <sighs> game a couple of years ago and weirdly I sat next to him at this dinner thing and I had to explain to him what Yorkshire pudding was. It was a very odd experience. <laughs> but he was saying that that afternoon he just left his hotel walked around London for three hours and no one knew he he said like one person came up to me the whole time and that was amazing to me because when he's in America obviously he can't do anything like that if he's he's just out on the street so something else from this game we get to hear you guys belt out Miley Cyrus at one point (laughs) in the van you've also got your long shot song I mean I'm starting to wonder Scott between you mentioned Heart of Dixie before Uh, my wife I said this before she's a big Heart of Dixie fan she also showed me the video for something called Pop Goes My Heart which I'd never seen before i mean are you like christopher walken now are you starting to demand that you sing in every role you do <laughs> i know it's something that comes out of the ideas like i mike young who wrote this project uh he put the singing stuff in just because he he wanted it to be unexpected you know he wanted when you're on a road trip with a best friend you sing stupid songs in the car that's just what you do yeah. and just because these guys are macho football players doesn't mean they don't do the exact same thing that everybody else does but I started uh, in theater. I started uh, my actual career beatboxing. I beat, beatboxed for seven years. That's how I paid the wow. bills for a long time. That took me to Broadway. And then I, I booked another Broadway gig before Friday Night Lights. And everybody that I work with, they come to find out that I sing. And then they try and slide it in one way or the other. Uh, but yeah, Pop Goes My Heart was the first thing I ever shot in film or television. And it, to this day, might be the thing that I, I shot that was the most fun. Uh, it was really, really, really a good time. If you have never seen the the video, Jr. is looking at De- me like, "Have you not seen the Jr. No after this?" About, no one told me about this. Yeah, pop imagine thing. after this. Imagine, <laughs> imagine Wham. You know Wham with George Michael. Yeah, I'm sure that's right up your alley. Uh, yeah, imagine that. But but the two people in Wham are me and Hugh Grant. Yeah, I see it. It's I, yeah, it's, I'm head. enjoying this. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, we'll we'll get it up on the phone afterwards because you've got to see it you know for it to be believed. Um, there's, there's uh, yeah, he, he knew there's I could he, he knew I could play the guitar a little bit. He knew I could sing a little bit, and you know, 
the crazy thing about the long shot theme song, which does get into your head, uh, people have asked me if I wrote it. I did not write it. The man who wrote it is named Theo Fleury. Have you ever heard of the NHL, National Hockey League? Right, yeah. I mean, this guy's a Hall of Famer. And he finished playing hockey, and he was a musician, and nobody would have known it, but he's a country music singer now. He writes all of these wonderful songs. So he wrote that for... For Mike so you've got an NHL Hall of Famer writing your songs. You've got an NFL Hall of Famer throwing your passes. And, Academy yeah, Award winner. Yeah, an Academy Award right. winner acting alongside you. This is and us two idiots. Cushy job. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Where do we come from? Yeah. <laughs> um, the NFL did get underway last night. I saw you guys at the NFL UK big launch event they did in London. I don't know actually how much football you got to watch yesterday. But, Jared, I wanted to ask you. You came out of uh, Stanford, a Cardinal, and we saw Christian McCaffrey, his first snaps last night for the Panthers yeah. against the 49ers. Decent night 85 total yards and uh, I don't know if you as as someone who's left goes back and never does any work with them but this is a special kid that people are going to be pretty excited about. Oh my goodness I mean he's I remember him as a freshman Uh, there was that spark in him he just has that spark right and he's always the guy that you don't think for instance like I think he gets a bad rap and you know you can you can knock me out for this if you want to I think he would have gotten farther as for people people see black players and think that they're just more athletic and that they should be the Heisman winner they should be this they should be that but i think in america he almost was under he was not looked at as good as he was because he was a white running back which is something we don't typically see and, and what's amazing is the comparison thing as well and I, yeah. I see this time and time again he's a white running back coming out of college so obviously he's going to be compared to Danny Woodhead not Absolutely. to you know any not of the to other Reggie, like, not to Reggie Bush Reggie Bush who he's very like right, he had right, a great right. career too or someone like Devonta right. Freeman who's catching passes out of the backfield now but no right. it's got to be Danny Woodhead because he can catch passes and he's white I, I, that still stuns me about but the this, NFL but this, is, but this is a testament to his skill because he's had to work even harder I feel like he's had to do even more had to even more uh, prove him more so prove himself which he did which is why he went first round when everyone was like uh, I don't know if he's fast enough the guy ran a 4-4 yeah right they said he's not fast enough he went 4-4 no 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 they explain they 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 say that white players are sneaky fast sneaky fast yeah, yeah. Then, you start, then you start surprisingly yeah. fast yeah. for a white man yeah. uh, you, you're talking my, my language though you got Christian McCaffrey Ed McCaffrey's kid I'm a big Broncos fan yeah. okay yeah and then yeah. you're talking Danny Woodhead he's out of Shadron Nebraska that's where I'm from this wow. is uh, maybe I could have made it guys I could have made it maybe there's still a chance maybe I shouldn't have quit playing football <laughs> my freshman year of college maybe I should have <laughs> stuck with it maybe there's still a chance but no I think maybe there's still a chance I think uh, <laughs> I think I hey, think he's going to have a video game, and it looks like you're having a great time doing it. So yeah, I think he's going to have a great year. I think he's going to have a great year. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, I played against Cam uh, his high school. He was a freshman at the time, uh, so I, you know, I'm familiar with his his history too. So I'm, I'm rooting for the guys for great. sure. Great, good stuff. And the Broncos Chargers tonight is going to be outdated by the time it goes out most places. But tough season opener, tough year all round with your quarterback situation and. Now, yeah, come on now. transition. You, you know, the thing is, is last year, this is when people watch football, they tend to want to blame or give success to the team based on the quarterback play only. I mean, it's Jason uh, Street. You know that well. Last year, though, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did not know how to tackle, apparently. Uh, the, the thing was, last year, the offensive line was just not up to par. We had no running game, and you've got Trevor Sivian trying to do way too much. I think this year he's going to surprise people. I think he's a much better quarterback than people think. And with the improved offensive line and uh, hopefully the resurgence of our running game, he'll, he'll be just fine. Our problem is the division that we're in. Yeah. Chiefs, Raiders, 
the much improved Chargers. It's just that's a tough road to hoe to get to the playoffs. So we'll we'll see what happens. Look, I could chat football with you guys all day long, but I'm sure we've got plenty more to be getting on with and uh, promoting this great game. Madden 18 out now. Check out. We'll have a review up on the TalkSport website and on Gridiron as well. And uh, yeah, just keep enjoying what you're doing because you guys look like you're having a blast. Oh yeah, this is a dream come true. We both played Madden since we were 11 years old. Uh, If you would have told me at 11 that I I would be in Madden, I would have thought I had to go to journalism school and become like the successor to Matt and <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm thrilled and thanks for having us man yeah man no really enjoyed it thank you guys uh, JLM and Scott Porter check out Madden 18 in shop hello you're listening to the Horse Ramble Daily where we'll be covering all of your horse needs and there's more every day during the Cheltenham Festival Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free to play for to win game Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. <laughs> Full terms apply. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. Now. JR Lemon, Scott Porter, really good fun. And uh, like I say, Madden is uh, is in shops now. And uh, my review will be up on the Gridiron website in the not-too-distant future. Uh, now we've got the opening weekend of football on TalkSport sorted and out of the way. Uh, I can actually spend some time sat down on my laptop and put some thoughts down. But I, I have to say, the new Madden, I have played it more than any other recent edition of Madden, not just because of the brilliant new long shot mode, but I've been getting really into Madden Ultimate Team as well uh has, has really been has hooked me in for the first time ever so uh yeah there we go it's i'm going to be spending a lot of time up in my man cave also my gender neutral cave playing madden over the next few weeks i imagine uh, let's get into the sunday night games and do you know where i'm going to start and i'm not going to start with the sexy seahawks packers game i'm not going to start off by talking about sunday night football i'm starting in houston texas baby because the Jacksonville Jaguars, 10 sacks for the first time in franchise history. Calais Campbell breaking the single sack game record for the franchise in the first half of the game. And before we get into our analysis of it, let's hear from defensive end Yannick Ngokwe. I caught up with him. He had two strip sacks on the night and I spoke with him directly after the game to get his thoughts. So delighted to welcome on second year defensive end of the Jacksonville Jaguars on a day where they hit a franchise record for sack numbers. Yannick Ngokwe on the show with us now. Yannick, two strip sacks of your own, recovered a fumble. What a day to be a Jaguar. Yeah, it's a blessing. Uh, I just, I'm just thankful God put me in a position to make those plays to help out the team. But it's not just on me. The whole defense did great. Uh, from the D-line all the way to the back end, they just did what they had to do. Uh, we still got stuff to clean up, but I'm just pleased and uh, I'm, I'm just very proud of everybody in, everybody in this locker room. Now, you, uh, Calais Campbell, one of the big money signings this summer, has come in. In the first half, he set your franchise record for a single se- single game sack total, set his own career record. I mean, what kind of impact has Calais had on your locker room? Uh, he's had a great impact. Just his voice and his leadership, man, is just, just taking guys the right way, man. Giving guys the right mentality and the right mindset, man, each and every day of practice, he's always talking, always trying to motivate. And personally, he's doing a great job of motivating me. He pushes me, and when I just see him do that performance right there, it's pushing me to be able to match that. So he's just a blessing to have in the locker room as well. Well, it's got to be for a second-year guy to have a big name like that come in and dominate like you have in that first game, mate. Eh? People are going to be talking about that Jags defense tomorrow morning. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm trying to tell people that we got one of the best defenses in the league, and we're just trying to show each and every week 
it doesn't stop here. You know, we got Tennessee coming up this week, and we just got to focus on that now. It's a great win. We just enjoy this Wednesday and the next one. And then tomorrow, we just get focused on Tennessee. And just tell me a little bit about what you saw on the other side of the ball, because the big story from a Texans perspective is going to be that at halftime, they changed out. They took out Tom Savage from the game, put Deshaun Watson in. He had some yards on the ground, had a couple more decent plays, and he looks like a guy who could have an impact in this league himself. Yeah, uh, I definitely took out my hat to number four. Number four is a great player. He's a good player. And uh, he's going to just keep developing and be a a good, uh, definitely a great quarterback and great leader for that team. Uh, uh, Nothing but respect for him. And finally, Yannick, just tell me a little bit about today because going to Houston, playing their first game at NRG after Hurricane Harvey and after what that city's gone through. I mean, the reaction when the teams came out, the place was absolutely electric. And then you go in there and shut it down like you do. Yeah, man, we just we had to come in here. We had to shut it down. And we took it personal, too. You know, we were about to get hit by a hurricane as well. Uh, I'm just coming to Jacksonville. So we, we just had to do it for our family members as well. And we, we, we still praying for the people in Houston that got hit by our and then I've got to ask you, Tennessee next week, I don't know if you followed the scores. They lost to the Raiders today. So that's going to be a big game in the AFC South already as you guys look to push on this season under Doug Marone. Yeah, definitely. Tomorrow we just we celebrate today. And then tomorrow we just lock in on Tennessee. We watch film. And we just definitely just try to get ready and prepare for everything that's coming. Yannick and Gokwe, now I don't know if you saw it, Sherry, or if you've seen it, Ollie. The Jacksonville Jaguars have changed their Twitter name to hashtag Saxonville uh, uh, on Sunday night after the game. They went into Houston, an emotional night. The the sound as J.J. Watt came out was incredible. And they just absolutely shut the Texans down. I mean, that that is a ridiculous move for a franchise. They were above 500 for the first time in about a decade I've got to say ludicrous like that's the kind of thing that could easily come back and bite them on the behind and and now as much as I want to see them do well I kind of hope it does because it's the classic buying into hype when you've not been very good it's it's that that really strikes a chord with me but yeah ultimately it was it was kind of a perfect I've initially said perfect storm which is the absolute wrong thing to say in this instance um it was a collection of things coming together that, in kind of negatively for for the Houston Texans, and and I do think we, it's easy to sit and slurp the Texans because they were terrible. The defensive line was as bad as the offensive line relative to the talent that they have on that line. I, but, I think part of that as well, Sherry, is though that when you get when you get behind because your offensive line is so bad and the opposite defense are making plays, you then get behind. The way that you play then has to change. And what we saw from Jacksonville is exactly what Doug Marone told us he wanted to see. They established the run early. I, th- I can't remember them throwing on first down once. They established the run early. They ran Leonard Fournette like a bell cow. And that took all of the pressure off Blake Bortles. Their offensive line was better than we've seen it in about three years. And I know that, that you're saying the D-line from the, the Texans' perspective was, was a problem but when you are able to establish and run the ball like that you can't bring pressure in the same way and it was a lot to do with game flow rather than performance maybe this is why the Texans D-line didn't get it done well I mean my, my overriding point on the whole team was going to be that really you look at all the stuff that they've had to go through in the last few weeks and basically seeing their city get decimated and how that changes your perspective unless you're Dwayne Brown who continues to greedily hold out in farcical circumstances um, and and I just think moving to Dallas to to practice and and kind of that whole thing can create this this level of performance, especially when it was so emotional before the game and 
And the kind of I think you can kind of get outside of the mindset of just winning a football game because you're trying to win it for different reasons, and and that can happen. And and I think the Jacksonville Jaguars were were, were brilliant, and and the the first performance really in the last two years where you can say really this could be now a springboard, provided they don't let it go to the head, which apparently the the PR department have. Um, <laughs> so. Just to mention on the other side of the ball, you and I, Matt Sherry, are two human beings who are very high on Bill O'Brien. But last year, he admitted to regretting making a quarterback switch too early in the year because he panicked. Bringing in Deshaun Watson at halftime in this game, and yes, he made a couple of nice plays on the ground, but overall, he didn't look like a guy who was ready for the NFL, didn't make his reads, very simplified system. I... uh, I just, I'm starting to worry that Bill O'Brien can coach every element of the team except for quarterbacks, which is what he's meant to be good at. And, and that's the, I think the problem is that it is what he's meant to be good at. And, he, and he, he seems to get too involved in that area in a way that he wouldn't. You've got to be a head coach, and that means coaching every department of the football team. And, and I think he's too involved in, in that. And I know they had some problems with George Godsey, the offensive coordinator last year, and ended up firing him. But... But ultimately, they need to find somebody who he can trust and does trust to manage that side of things for him a little bit more, I think. But, yeah, I mean, you do fear, for all everything I've just said, you do kind of fear for the Texans because it was so similar to last year, so obviously a problem. And while we, I think we all collectively are keen to see Deshaun Watson and see how he can develop, I think we all know that it's going to take a long time for him to develop. And, and ultimately... Unless the defence plays to the level that we thought it was going to enter in the year, then it's going to put more pressure on him than, than I think he can handle at this point. And Deshaun Watson picked up an angle in- injury, so he might not even be available for this Sunday's that, game. That, that could be an absolute blessing in disguise for yeah. Bill O'Brien because it's an excuse to go back to Savage and try and stick with him a bit longer and not make a panicky move again. Um, look, I, it, my... my Radio brain is struggling here because I'm like Deshaun Watson. Do we go to the Browns game and talk to Sean Kaiser? Do we stick AFC South and go to the Titans? Well, very oh, quickly. Very much. Do we talk about the Packers? Where do we go next? Well, very quickly. Alan Robinson uh, is out for the season, which I think is a huge miss for them. We saw that they they really did use Leonard Fournette as a bell cow, and even more so when Alan Robinson went out means uh, Alan Hearns, Marquise Lee, Etale are all going to have to step up. So gutting for the Jags in that respect. But uh, yeah, you choose where we go next. We'll gather. Let's let's head to Tennessee. It's where where the Jacksonville Jaguars have to head next week. Finishes 26-16 to the Oakland Raiders. A lot of us picked the Titans in this game. I can't remember if it was everyone, but it felt like it was. And yet, the Oakland Raiders went in there. And do you know what they did? They played a bloody good game of football. They were really, really impressive. More impressive than any of their wins last season, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, am, I am slightly concerned about Tennessee because I just... I can I, I kind of hinted at it last week, but I can see a situation where they do not live up to anything like the kind of potential they've got. And I, I mean, I, I spoke to Adam Foxcroft, most notoriously the man who invaded hey. our DMs <laughs> with the worst thing we've ever seen once. But yeah, I, I briefly had a back and forth with him on Sunday. My my, my issue early in the game was I, I just thought that they tried to run the ball too much on first down and. And he disagreed, and, and admittedly, I was watching Red Zone and, and a bit of that, so I didn't see it all. But I, I just don't like their offense, and and 
They, they struggled. To... It was it was not a dis- I, I did watch this game in a bit more depth. They really struggled. Uh, I, it was exactly the opposite of what happened with Jacksonville. They got behind early. They struggled to establish the run. DeMarco Murray, just 12 carries on 44 yards. Marcus Mariota ended up throwing 41 times in, in total. But, and, but, and... but him throwing 41 times was largely because they were constantly in second and nine and then third mm-hmm. and eight and... I, I didn't think that they threw it more because that's what they're doing and they're trying to move more to Mariota. I just thought they yeah. couldn't establish Situation. that running game and then it was kind of like, well, what do we do now? And, and that's a concern for me. Ollie, I mean this with the most love in the world. Mm. You love your special teams. A word for Giorgio Tavecchio. Oh, what a guy. What a guy. His first two kicks were over 50 yards. He's coming for Seabass. Um Seabass, who is a hero, who, who is no, one of the greatest kickers in modern well, NFL history. I love Seabass, but I think the tide has changed, and the Seabass has to be changed for a little bit of Italian calamari, man. I loved, I loved him, and it was absolutely <laughs> what a performance. <laughs> that is sensational. <laughs> That's the best oh. thing you've ever said, Ollie. Get it on Twitter now. Uh, right, let's uh, let's move on. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know where to go with that next. Uh, oh. Let's let's talk about the other really big matchup from Sunday night, as it looked going into the weekend. As early on, two offenses very much struggled to get going. The Seattle Seahawks against the Green Bay Packers. Packers running out seventeen to nine winners in the end. And my front door's just gone, and that's my water pump being delivered. So I'm going to leave it you guys' hands to talk about I'm going to leave it in you guys <laughs> we, sorry to we got you mate I'll, t- I'll, yeah. I'll t- look Russell I, Wilson Russell Wilson I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback but he's going to have to get some more support this year because that was not good enough I, th- I think in our massive hysteria with Sheldon Richardson just I think all of us collectively forgot just how bad Seattle's offensive line is and it's, a, it's an absolute joker their offensive line. <laughs> you're welcome. Oh, you're on fire, man. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, it was it was the worst individual performance from a unit I think I've ever seen. Like it was just and there's a brilliant image floating around on Twitter of basically three <laughs> there's like four offensive line I've just looked at it again. There's four Seattle offensive linemen just on their backs so looking in the other direction. And three defensive linemen just literally within a foot of Russell Wilson. It's just staggering how bad they are. And actually, Ollie, I'm sure you agree on this. The Packers couldn't get anything going offensively until the, the fumble. I mean, it, that kind of changed the whole game, that single play. The, um, I think it was, it was Daniels again, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah, it was Mike Daniels. Mike, Mike Daniels, for a, for a three-technique defensive tackle, had an incredible game. Yeah, stat-wise. it was Seven tackles, five for solo, one and a half sacks, another tackle for loss, a forced fumble. The fumble that was recovered by Kyla Fackrell, that led to the Ty Montgomery play where he stuffed it in. And that, pretty much for Ty Montgomery, uh, was his catalyst to get things going because it had been pretty anemic as had the rest of the Packers' offense up until that point. The Jordy Nelson touchdown catch came from a flag on the play from a false start. Classic Aaron Rodgers. But I think the the real story in all of this, we know that the Green Bay offense uh, will take a little time to kick in, but that defense, the defense that we thought would, well, you guys thought, would be smashed by (laughs) Russell Wilson and Jimmy Graham and Doug Baldwin et al., that um, Green Bay defense was just unreal. Cornerbacks played up. Quinton Rollins, Nick Perry was justifying his big contract uh, in, Ollie, the, in the summer. Ollie, oh, Ollie. They were great. They it's were great. Hard to get that excited when they were 
well, the offensive line was bad. The only other take. No, no, no. It's, it's not even. It's not even that. The thing that I would be concerned about, Ollie, is it's still incredibly thin as a unit. For the starters looked great yesterday. Yeah, a couple did. of injuries, it falls off a cliff. The, the other, the other takeaway for Seattle is Jimmy Graham is never going to be good again. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh Matt, this I really is thought this was going to be the year that he bounced back. Yeah. I even took him in a couple of fantasy leagues, like as the ninth or tenth tight end. But yeah, I, it's a real shame. Um, on like I know you've talked about it already, but on the Russell Wilson thing, and this wasn't his fault, but the, the O line was so bad that he did what we were talking about the other week, where he looked like he was taking snaps and he was taking off before he even got a chance to make one read, let alone let alone get progressed through reads. So yeah, that they, they that that could be a real problem. And the problem is going against a good team. What will now happen is Seattle will play the 49ers, etc., and look really good. But the moment they come up against a good team, I think that's a problem. And I'm worried it's another season for the Seahawks going to the playoffs, but falling at a hurdle where they face a decent team. Yeah. Uh, I, on Can that I just say one, Sorry, one on. last thing on defensive performances that we I meant to mention earlier? And this is the last thing on the Jaguars. Miles <laughs> Jack was absolutely oh, sensational. Yeah, you are right there. He was which, brilliant. Which is great to see because it really didn't work out for him as a rookie and and I think we were really big on him in Gridiron, the magazine side as well. So really nice to see him put in a performance. And, and hey, you look what, Dante Fowler, not quite at the level of Jack, but had a great game as well. Yeah. And you've got two guys there who last year were like, uh, we were saying that they were both coming off those knee injuries. This year, if they're fully ready to go with modern uh, medicine, what it is and what you can get out of knee surgery nowadays. It's like they've just got a bunch more first-round picks again. It, it, it could be really exciting. Colts-Rams. I just want to mention this game, no. at least in briefly. No. Because <laughs> the, Colts, the Colts and Scott Tolzien are maybe one of the worst football teams I've ever seen. Um, the longer but, he stays in the, as their number one, the bigger the chance that they will have the number one pick next year. I'm absolutely convinced of it. Start, is, it sounds like they're going to start Brissette from what I've just seen on Twitter. And he'll have had six practices by the point of the game. He'll be, he'll hey. be better than Tolzien. He, oh, he had one great completion yesterday. Uh, I just want to say on the Los Angeles Rams side, because everyone is saying, oh, it's only because it was the Colts. I've not seen a Los Angeles Rams team, even when playing a terrible team, who've been able to put 46 points on anyone. Cooper Cup looked really good. They actually looked like already with Sean McVay's system, they had more of a rhythm. Jared Goff looked a lot more comfortable. I know it's against a bad team, but even against bad teams, you have to perform. And I just, I'm just saying that that Rams defense combined with a medium-level offence. We talked about it on the last podcast. They could be a team to surprise people this year. And by surprise people, I mean getting to 500. And Aaron Donald is to come back as well. Yeah. 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 I think the one negative for the Rams is Todd Gurley did not look good again. No. No. I um, I was in, when I was in LA for, uh, recently, I, I told the story about I was in that sports store and it was all Rams gear and, and very little Chargers gear. Um, I... Uh, I was going to buy some kind of gift for my friend who's a big Rams fan. And um, basically they had, you know, those pop collector little um, plastic mold characters you can buy with the big heads. The only one they had was Todd Gurley. And the guy in the shop went, oh, we've got these. They're like $15. And I was like, is Todd Gurley the only one you've got? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, but what if he's terrible again this year? I don't want to buy my friend something for a guy who ended up being a one-year wonder. And uh, yeah, the guy basically said, yeah, that's why we're not selling any of them. So, 
<laughs> Todd Gurley has already gone down in the estimation of the people of Los Angeles. It seems. And, yeah, I, I still think he he should be great, but ultimately, why isn't he? We also missed the biggest storyline when discussing Oakland, Tennessee, as well. Oh, sorry, what was that? The Tony Robo is already one of the best three color commentators in the NFL. Oh, yeah, and and do you know what? He is already one of the best three colour commentators in the NFL. Rex and, Ryan's the worst. And, and Rex Ryan was terrible last night. And uh, J- Jerry Jones, hang your head in shame. Because you've started to finally build a decent roster now with a good O-line and with a great running back and everything else. Knowing from that broadcast just how well Tony Romo reads the game, to have not had that man be sent deep in the playoffs or to a Super Bowl because you couldn't build a good team around him. I, I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely devastated for him. I, I find. Um, I listening hope Dak to... Prescott gets injured late in the season, and Tony Romo gets called into that team, and the Cowboys go and win the Super Bowl. And that hurts to say, but I would Mate, love to see Tony Romo get a ring now. You should never hope for another player to get injured. For a player to get injured, that's out of order. You know you're out of order. I want you to retract that mentally. And <laughs> only, retract only. It. A... Retract a him minor on the podcast, injury, like a high ankle sprain, something he's going to come back from like Listen, with relative mate, ease. But we it all just know knocks him out for the perfect period of time of the playoffs and the Super Bowl. We all know you're out of order in all of this. Um, th- listening to Tony Romo though, and the way he's calling and predicting what the play will be offensively as well as defensively, what the defense is showing. It just think I just think could he earn more money as some sort of coordinator or head coach because he he knew what was coming and it, it was kind of freaky the way he was doing it. It was unreal. Uh, let, let's uh, let's talk about the Cowboys uh, on Sunday night. A game we carried on Talk Sports, and whilst I thought the coverage was obviously excellent, uh, it was a terrible. Yeah. Game. It was a genuine terrible game yeah. of football. Um, the the, the, the uh, just very quick takeaways from this one because I don't think we need to linger on it. The Cowboys look good. Still, Prescott is being kept reasonably simple, but he did a few more interesting wrinkles, and I think that they're starting to try and introduce more to that offense. But when you've got Zeke and that O line. It's fine. Uh, the Giants' defense still looks pretty decent. I'm worried for the Cowboys that they're not finishing drives. The fact that they settled for one touchdown and a bunch of field goals is a minor concern. But the Giants on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, I wasn't ready to buy into your Eli Manning is done shtick quite yet, um, Matt, but I think I might be ready to after mm. seeing that performance. And to just to kind of round that off, the Cowboys defense, we gave a lot of stick to in this offseason. Losing their entire secondary looks like it could be a real problem. I said about units that were the biggest surprise to me this this week. What Dallas were, Sean Lee was incredible. And the rest of the defense was so fast to get after the ball, to get after the quarterback. To uh, They were ball hawking. It was like they'd taken the mode that's being done at those other defenses you've seen that have been great and gone and tried to improve in those areas. Maybe they'll be showing up against a better offense than the Giants, but there was enough there to make me just, just, just consider just that they might be good this year. I think the, the, the jury is still out. It'll be interesting to see them against other teams. But I think one of the great stories was Jalen Smith starting his first game and, and actually looking pretty good. It does appear that he can actually run viably, which is more than any of the videos I'd seen suggested. So that was positive. I mean, the only question coming out of this game for me is who's more done out of Eli Manning and Brandon Marshall, who was equally dreadful in this game. Yeah, fair. Brandon Marshall, but he's still got his catch. Got to keep his record. Right at the yeah. end. Crazy. Yeah, good for him. But he was anonymous, yeah. And yeah, I agree. He was him. absolutely anonymous. Earlier in the day, in another all-NFC clash, the Philadelphia Eagles go to Washington, get a 30-17 to win. Um, 
Washington, had, like, they came back into it in the second half. And I think early on, that rebuilt built offense really struggled to find any kind of click whatsoever. I mean, Kirk Cousins was their leading rusher on the day. Terrell Pryor Sr. ends up catching six passes for 66 yards. But there were a number of other occasions where you could see the communication was off. That's going to have to take some time to develop. But the Eagles front is brilliant. They got after them all day. The blitz packages were absolutely nuts. And Carson Wentz is throwing bombs. I was really enjoying the Eagles on Sunday night. Carson Wentz was amazing until he was asked to throw the ball less than 10 yards when it just <laughs> appeared everything could go wrong. I've never seen a quarterback look more uncomfortable throwing screen passes, which is what his head coach seems to really specialise in. Um, so, yeah, there were some positive signs. I still massively worry about Wentz and the whole nature of that. Philadelphia offense doesn't fill me with any real excitement to be honest and looking uh, at all four of those teams you could see them all taking wins off each other one winning at home the other away or vice versa I can't from the first games obviously this is a massive hot take but I can't really see who is the standout team out of those those four? Oh, see, I, I definitely think it's the Cowboys now. I, I, yeah. I, I was massively interested in the Cowboys this week just because I thought they lost twice to the Giants last year. If they're going to have the downturn that I could see coming, I kind of thought you would see it early because I just and they, they were just so so impressive. Like they were just they were resoundingly impressive, and it, I can't wait to see them in Denver this week. That should be. That's a really great early test of That's that a great show. as well. Great show. Right, we've got we've got five more games. We're going to rattle through them. I want one person to take each game and just give their thoughts. And I'll start with you, Matt Sherry. You can even pick which game you'd like to do. You're going to have to tell me what's available. Though. Just give me any. You've got your Go two on. AFC North games. You've got Cardinals, Lions, Jets, Bills, and Panthers 49ers. Well, let's go for Panthers 49ers, Will. Um Maybe the worst head coaching debut I've ever seen from a game management perspective from Kyle Shanahan. The yeah, ridiculous it. decisions to go for it on fourth down. When Cam looked completely off, at that point the defence was playing well and the idea of pinning them deep and trusting the defence was clearly the way to go at that point early in the game. I think there were only seven down for the first one. And it just was just horrific. I mean, and to the point where already, if I was Kyle Shanahan, I'd be calling Mike and saying, I want you to sit in the booth and do all in-game decision-making for me because it was pathetic. Uh, Lack Uh, of experience as a head coach just really showed there, didn't it? Yeah, Yeah, and Carolina's defence looked looked really good, which was nice. Great to see Luke Keekley back with with yet another interception. So things to build on for Carolina, but I thought Cam, I think there's still work to be done for him. Agreed. Ollie. Game. I'm going to take the Cardinals losing at the Detroit Lions for 23 to 35. I thought the Lions looked really, really good. Golladay with that incredible catch. Matt Stafford. I know you said it at the top of the show, Will, being a first-round pick who's had a load of a load of uh, criticism over, throughout the years. But I've always believed, and I thought he looked excellent. A team that I wasn't very high on. I don't think many people were very high on, but they bomb the Cardinals out and from the Cardinals point of view Carson Palmer okay three interceptions I think one or at least, at least one of those was tipped so you can't really have that yeah totally the last on. one was yeah you can't have that totally on him but he didn't look very good uh, lots of mistakes 
David Johnson, he's out for a prolonged period of time with a fractured wrist. I know they're bringing in a guy off of the New England practice squad. They've got Kerwin Williams and uh, Andre Ellington there, but I wouldn't be too um, fussed about either of those guys. Old man Fitz, I think that was really the only uh, good point in the the catches he did make. He was targeted 13 times and only caught six of them, but hey-ho. So uh, I was high on the Cardinals pre-season I'm not so high on them now. Okay, I'm going to take. I'm all right, good with all of that. I'm going to take Steelers Browns. Um, Deshaun Kaiser coming in made some plays. Still looked like a rookie, but you know what? I, I think that for the first time in a while, Cleveland can have a real feeling of positivity going into this season. Losing to their divisional rivals, pushing them close by just three points. Almost completely shutting down Le'Veon Bell on the day. Roethlisberger having to rely on his arm. Two touchdowns to Jesse James. Antonio Brown, if he doesn't make two or three really big plays, then actually the Steelers could have been in trouble offensively. But TJ Watt, let's talk about TJ Watt because there was was talk about, okay, he's going to be a workout warrior, but he'll never be the player that JJ Watt is. TJ Watt, seven tackles on the day, two sacks. He uh, got a did he, he got a pick and he got a, a fumble recovery as well. Absolutely ridiculous. He had an incredible day. And um, JJ has never done all those things again. Yeah. So, so the Steelers' defense. Could, I, we talked about it in preseason. The Steelers' defense is an improving unit and overall as a team they should be fine in the AFC North but well done Cleveland for keeping it tight and Corey Coleman and Deshaun Kaiser had a nice little link up going there so I think Cleveland can be positive on their loss this weekend well done mate. Uh, well done back to Matt Sherry you've got Ravens Bengals or Jets Bills Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, we're not going to say anything at all about Jets Bills on this podcast so ultimately <laughs> it leaves you with just one choice um, I mean it was just the the Baltimore defense. If anybody was sleeping on them, that they're not now. I mean, they were they were absolutely outstanding. Uh, friend of the show, Brandon Williams, was insanely good in this game. Maybe the 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 defensive performance of the week that won't really be talked about. He was absolutely awesome. And the Ravens are when they get this blueprint going, they actually ran the ball more effectively than I thought they would. Flacco just had to be kind of accurate and do not accurate, but just reliable not do anything to lose the game basically and he was that I mean Cincinnati did move the ball in spots but then they just Baltimore found a way to get turnovers and their defence was awesome and, and as for the Bengals I mean Christ where do you begin I they're mean, it's just they're so done Dalton's done the Bengals are done dear oh dear what, why isn't Mixon starting I mean it just doesn't make any sense but then why put him in when your offensive line can't open up running lanes but I mean I'm not sure anybody's going to open up running lanes on that Ravens defence. They are awesome against the run. So, yeah, I mean, Ravens defence, great. I think the Ravens will push the Steelers all the way in that division. Yeah, I just—I was wondering if that cat noise was coming from you or from my cat. These, these um, are the these are the Bengal Tigers, man. They, they've become little moggies, mingy, moggy, mangy, manky, <laughs> minky, mutty cats. Uh, there is I, one game that I we claimed, haven't... I, I claimed that Matt Sherry was going to have the MVP performance today, but between your seafood gag and that cat <laughs> noise, it's clearly you, Ollie. He, al- he also referred to Seattle's <laughs> offensive line as a jokel while you were out, <laughs> which was equally sensitive. Uh, one game we haven't talked about that you've missed off uh, on the list was the Falcons beating the Chicago Bears, 24 Yeah, the huge game, Will. How, how did I miss that? I don't know Sorry, how you missed guys. that. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw Austin Hooper's 
88-yard touchdown reception where he threw down uh, uh, the uh, safety, I forget his name, from the Bears, threw him down on his way to to running into into the back of the end zone. I I was high on Austin Hooper. I've been high on him in fantasy. I said he's going to have a big year. I have been proved once again correct. I <laughs> when it comes to the rest of the Atlanta uh, performance didn't really get anything going rushing wise. Chicago actually looked pretty good. Tariq Cohen both good out of the backfield and rushing on the ground. Mike Glennon looked okay. Uh, the Bears were better than they thought they would be. We thought they the would defense, be. The defense was really yeah. impressive. I just think the biggest takeaway for me is, in terms of significance for the rest of the season, the manner in which Atlanta ultimately won that game might be make it the easily the most important week yeah. one victory yeah. because they could have easily lost it, and then you've got the mental scars of another team coming back against you, and to kind of reunify that locker room, a win like that will do that, and. Makes us really excited for the uh, NFC Championship game rematch on Sunday Night Football. You can tell I've just inputted our picks into the Picks Challenge, which 901 people played on opening week, and we should get more people opening playing week. this week. But week two looks bloody awesome as well. Oh. Oh. That's, Falcons. That's Packers at Falcons, live on TalkSport from 1am Sunday morning. Monday morning. <laughs> Have you got a cold now as well as sync Jerry? Up, sync up our coverage. You get Kevin Kugler and Jason freaking Taylor. Forget what Sky are offering you. You want to listen to our coverage whilst watching the game on the TV. 100%. Or just listen to our coverage. Uh, I, I, right. I'm really sorry to Falcons fans and Bears fans. That was a really big game. I did miss it off in my attempt to make sure that Ollie could get to work on time. Jets Bills. It was a football game. The Bills are top of the AFC East after week one, which is ludicrous. Um, no, do you know what? There is the one thing to mention about the Bills. Against a Jets defense, we thought wouldn't be the worst in the league. They went for over 400 yards of offense. LaShawn McCoy put that team on his back. 156 total yards, 110 of them on the ground. I love that guy. The, the, the Bills, from an offensive perspective, will challenge some teams this season. But they are still very much in the mix of the worst teams in the NFL as they rebuild again for about the fifth time in six years. Matt Sherry, any final thoughts, sir? Can't wait for week two. It's going to be great. <laughs> That's it's a great, be great. great final thought. Um, Thanks, oh, we used to do, I, do you know what we haven't done? We haven't done the Thursday night football preview, which we normally do on this show, but I'm aware that it's, Ollie has to leave. It's Bengals, Texans, isn't it? I mean, two teams with a massive point to prove, basically. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's absolutely a huge game for both teams already in the season, yeah. just because of the nature of the horrifying losses that the that they both endured in week one so i think for that purpose it's actually a huge game but i I would guess that houston is the clearly better team of the two and the one that isn't a complete shambles and the one that i think is proud enough to bounce back properly will win that one ollie any final thoughts from you sir yeah i think bengals lose that one and then they go on a bit of a losing run we'll see that that will be the end of marvin lewis before the end of of the season he is on borrowed time my friends borrowed time bang ollie hits it with a hot take to end the show great stuff mate our party don't forget check it out on twitter check it out on the website gridiron-magazine.com touchdown trips you've seen how exciting it is to watch games in the u.s go on a trip yourself save up and do it with ben mortimer because he will get you the very best deal 
Guys, thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you to everyone that listens and supports us and gets in touch on Twitter, etc. We love hearing from you, so get in touch again. We'll be back later in the week with a Thursday night review, a weekend preview. We'll have fancy darlings, everything else involved as well. Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show. An opening week, and we should get more people playing week. this week. But week two looks bloody awesome as well. Oh. That's, oh. Falcons. That's Packers at Falcons. Live on TalkSport from 1am Sunday morning. Monday morning. <laughs> Have you got a cold now as well as sync Jerry? Up, sync up our coverage. You get Kevin Kugler and Jason freaking Taylor. Forget what Sky are offering you. You want to listen to our coverage whilst watching the game on the TV. 100%. Or just listen to our coverage. Uh, it's, uh, right. I'm really sorry to Falcons fans and Bears fans. That was a really big game. I did miss it off in my attempt to make sure that Ollie could get to work on time. Jets Bills. It was a football game. The Bills are top of the AFC East after week one, which is ludicrous. Um, no, do you know what? There is the one thing to mention about the Bills. Against a Jets defense, we thought wouldn't be the worst in the league. They went for over 400 yards of offense. LaShawn McCoy put that team on his back. 156 total yards, 110 of them on the ground. I love that guy. The, the, the Bills, from an offensive perspective, will challenge some teams this season but they are still very much in the mix of the worst teams in the NFL as they rebuild again for about the fifth time in six years. Matt Sherry, any final thoughts, sir? Can't wait for week two. It's going to be great. <laughs> That's it's a great, be great. great final thought. Um, Thanks, oh, we used to do, I, do you know what we haven't done? We haven't done the Thursday night football preview, which we normally do on this show, but I'm aware that it's, Ollie has to leave. It's Bengals, Texans, isn't it? I mean... Two teams with a massive point to prove, basically. Yeah, it's a, it's it's absolutely a huge game for both teams already in the season, yeah. just because of the nature of the horrifying losses that the that they both endured in week one. So, I think for that purpose, it's actually a huge game. But I, I would guess that Houston is the clearly better team of the two, and the one that isn't a complete shambles, and the one that I think is proud enough to bounce back properly will win that one. Ollie, any final thoughts from you, sir? Yeah, I think Bengals lose that one. And then if they go on a bit of a losing run, we'll see that that will be the end of Marvin Lewis before the end of the season. He is on borrowed time, my friends. Borrowed time. Bang! Ollie hits it with a hot take to end the show. Great stuff, mate. Our party, don't forget, check out on Twitter, check it out on the website, gridiron-magazine.com. Touchdown trips. You've seen how exciting it is to watch games in the US. Go on a trip yourself, save up and do it with Ben Mortimer because he will get you the very best deal. Guys, thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you to everyone that listens and supports us and gets in touch on Twitter, etc. We love hearing from you, so get in touch again. We'll be back later in the week with a Thursday night review, a weekend preview. We'll have fancy darlings, everything else involved as well. Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show. Hello, you're listening to the Horse Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. There's more every day during the Cheltenham Festival. Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play or to win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Full-time supply, 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org.